Gentlemen, bullions, chickens, and things to episode four of the Muppet Truck Muppet Trek Podcast. I'm Jarman. And I'm Steve. And we are here, as always, to compare, contrast, and confer about our two favorite franchises. Jarman, what are those? The Muppets and Star Trek. And we'll be doing one-to-one reviews of the Muppet Show and Star Trek the original series. It's exciting. And this week we have a doozy with special Muppet Show guest Jim Neighbors and original series episode, The Naked Time, which is Ooh. not as dirty as it sounds. <laughs> There's some half-nakedness, but not full nakedness. Some half-naked time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and from our last episode, episode three, uh, we had, uh, I forgot the name of the episodes that we had, but uh, we had feedback from that, and that's because we talked to some kind of Garf on YouTube who had a strange... Um, <laughs> octothorpe yes says something involving octothorpe um and also we didn't know the gender of some kind of garf and so they say i'm a dude don't worry about it also i totally agree about the b plots i feel they ramp up right all right throughout season one but when jack burns no offense to the man a great comedian in his own right stepped down for jerry jewel in season two that's really yeah. when when and why the show clicked and uh Octo- Jer- jerry jewel is yeah he's he's like the muppet writer oh so it's writers okay gotcha yeah uh and octothorpe is the old term for the, what a hashtag is uh, it's like an antiquated term for that the hash the hash mark sign or the the pound sign as we used to call it got it and, yeah. but he was dictating but he said octothorpe yeah the dictation didn't get it okay <laughs> which is kind of funny so yeah thanks for that some kind of garf the explanation and, and we thank see that- you because now i know what an octothorpe is yes exactly uh, and- so actually uh, tying on to that note uh before we get started all the way jack burns who you just mentioned writer of season one and co-writer of the muppet movie creator of gags beasley and the infamous banana sketch uh, mm. passed away yesterday yesterday wow just yesterday yeah so i'm kind of glad we just talked about him and that's so crazy and thank you jack as we honor one of your one of your best creations the start of the muppet show yeah you are living on in this strange podcast world so there you go that's crazy one of the chances that being said some kind of garf is is absolutely correct it really did get better once jerry jewel took over I'm looking forward to season two then. Absolutely. All right. So uh, does that bring us right to our episode rundowns here? That's right. Okay, man. There's a lot, a lot in this episode. So I think we wanted Uh, to talk about each guest, right? And who they are. If they were not very familiar with them. Yeah. Jim. Yeah, absolutely. Jim neighbors uh, was a singer, songman, performer, most known for being Gomer Pyle. Uh, first on the Andy Grothis show, and then uh, Gomer Pyle USMC, his own spinoff, which ran for five or six years. Uh-huh. Um, Gomer Pyle was an incredibly um, popular character in that even after you, Gomer Pyle USMC on his IDB page, there are like 15 times he like cameoed or made one-off appearances as Gomer Pyle. Oh, wow. And also he's from uh, uh, Sylacauga, Alabama, which I've done many many radio spots for them for my voiceover career i do a lot of their uh their country station their pop station all that stuff like whoa W-A-F-L radio that kind of thing so i do their like their tags basically well then you have a connection Good i job. do i have a connection to jim Good neighbors job. his hometown <laughs> uh so yeah so jim neighbors he's the host this is sort of uh 
right sort of after I think he had finished up or he was finishing up uh, Gomer Pyle USMC. Yeah. Looks like his early 40s, maybe. He's not that old yet. Yeah, no, not that old at all. Um, so, yeah, and he was an incredible singer. Oh, and yeah. you get to hear it here uh, and just not what you would expect. Like, no. Not at all what you would <laughs> expect. Uh, so the, the episode starts with the musical number Money by Dr. Teeth, uh, sung by Dr. Teeth. And this is one of my all-time favorite Muppet Show music numbers. Mm. It's just Dr. Teeth, the piano, singing a quick, zippy song about money, money, money. Uh, and then at the end, he pulls the lever and the piano turns into a slot machine. And it's just, I, I just love it. I love the song. I love his performance. It's all good. Very straightforward. You get, you get the backstage plot where we get a formal introduction of, uh, introduction of Scooter, who introduces himself to Kermit, who can't hire him until Scooter mentions that his uncle owns the theater. And now Kermit can suddenly find the money in the budget for him. We see Scooter. Yay. Yeah. We get the talking houses, which is sort of a season one only sketch where houses tell house related jokes to each other. It's quick and lame, but at least it's at least it's over fast. <laughs> uh you get uh, Jim Neighbors' first opening number, Gone Gone with the Wind, where you get to hear him sing. And yes, he is lip syncing, but that is his voice. Yeah, you can tell it has to be his voice. Um, it, as things are blown away and a, a storm rips through, his love is blown away and eventually his pants as well. You get a Muppet News flash in Wait which Jim Neighbors I plays. I stop you. I'm sorry. That sketch was not in my recording. Yes. Um, so what you have is likely a DVD rip version of oh. season one of the Muppet show, a totally legal uh, version that I have. There are <laughs> in each episode, there are going to be a handful of things that don't show up in yours. Oh, I see. Yeah. Cause I, it's like, wait, what sketch is that? <laughs> Cause I didn't see that at all. Yeah. Um, a lot of the times for the, uh, DVD releases, the UK specific spots are cut. Mm. And in this case, a couple random numbers, I think probably for time. I see. Yeah. My episode was only 21 minutes long. So, uh, so yeah, you get him up a news flash where Jim Neighbors plays a yokel who has a close encounter with an alien, but they just had to stop and use his bathroom. Backstage again, Scooter tells Kermit that he found the perfect act. Kermit has no room for the act until once again, Scooter mentions it is his uncle's favorite act. And next is that terrible act, the Danceros. Didn't have that sketch either. <laughs> yeah, the Danceros are two sets of dancing legs. Uh, that are next to each other, and then the camera pulls out, and you realize it's a four-legged creature dancing both parts of this dance, which I promptly know. falls down. I see. You get a nice little moment between Jim and Animal, where Jim tells Animal to break a leg, and Animal in turn breaks Jim's leg with a giant mallet. That was fun and cute. I liked it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Backstage, Scooter meets George the janitor. George accidentally badmouths the owner, only to have Scooter reveal that it is his uncle. And then George suddenly loves the owner and thinks that problems are part of a theater. <laughs> you get a quick at the dance that doesn't have a real theme, which is sort of rare. Typically there's some sort of interwoven theme. Uh, and a few of the jokes are a little bit more scandalous than usual, which was kind of fun. Uh, you get a musical number with Ralph, the dog and his sidekick Baskerville uh, song called dog eat dog that I could find no information about. Huh. And it's okay. It's just okay. Get the talk spot with Jim Neighbors where he talks about his lum his love of all the farm animals around the Muppet show. And he talks with Piggy, which in this time is played by Frank Oz, about being a Gemini and says that it, his dual personalities are what allows him to switch between being a yokel like Gomer Pyle and singing opera music. And he sings a little bit and it's incredible. It's just incredible. 
backstage again, Fozzie got some new jokes from Scooter. He tries them out on a few people who think that they are hilarious, and Fozzie goes to find Scooter for more jokes. You get a Sam the Eagle introduction for Wayne and Wanda, who are going to do a song called Indian Love Call. In true fashion, the song just gets started. Wanda sings one line, and then a Native American, very stereotypically dressed Native American, <laughs> comes in thinking that she has called for him. Mm-hmm. Aha, Indian Love Call. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fozzie goes on and does his act. He finally tells Statler and Waldorf after they've heckled him that he's going to tell them his best joke. They love it, but he reveals, ha, it's actually my worst joke. (laughs) Uh, Jim, a neighbor's plays a security guard at a bakery. Ralph comes in. He tells him to put up his hens, and Ralph pulls up two chickens, hens, and the rest of the skit devolves where he keeps misunderstanding Jim neighbors because of his accent and keeps pulling more and more animals into the scene. I liked it. I love puns. Uh, backstage one more time. Scooter tells Fozzie that he is the best comedian that he has, that that ever was. Fozzie hits him with a joke, which Scooter does not laugh at and also doesn't understand. <laughs> Jim's closing number is thank God I'm a country boy. Uh, and it's featuring the uh, uh, go, 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 Jubilee jug band, which in season two is replaced by a different jug band whose name I'm is escaping me right now. <laughs> but this was the season one jug band. <laughs> You always need more than one jug band. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you get the end of the show. Jim tells Kermit uh, that Scooter had been picking up after him the whole show and even picked up his accent. Scooter says, well, oh, howdy or something like that. Uh, and that's the end of the episode. Golly. Golly. There you go. It's like a catchphrase. And uh, and that's uh, that's all, folks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so some fun factoids about this episode. Uh, the song. So this all is kind of crazy. So the song Money, Dr. C Sings, was written by this guy, uh, Stan Freeberg, and this other guy, Ruby Raskin. Freeberg himself was a voice actor and a puppeteer in the 50s, mostly associated with Warner Brothers. Jim Henson and the Muppets first performed this on Salmon and Friends, Jim's first show, uh, in which they lip-synced a version that was recorded by Mel Blanc, Mr. Ah. Roger Rabbit himself. Wow. Uh, Gone with the Wind. was also sung by Guy Smiley on season one of Sesame Street, in which pretty much the exact same bit is done, where he's singing to a female puppet, and the wind blows, and all of his clothes come off, and everything blows away. That's great for kids, yeah. Uh, the D- Danceros, the failed act that you didn't get to see, unfortunately, uh, is a Bunrakos, a Bunraku-style puppet after the Japanese art, ancient art of Bunraku, uh-huh. in which three performers perform a full body of a puppet to create full-body movement. Uh, in this case, all of the performers were covered head to toe in black velvet, but in actual Bunraku, the lead puppeteer shows their face while the other two are covered as their face is considered part of the performance. Uh, that's actually, I saw a performance of that cause uh, I go to this convention called dragon con every year and it's based out of Atlanta mm-hmm. and the puppetry museum is based in Atlanta. And so they always had performances from the puppeteers there and they were doing that form of puppetry, uh, for the convention. And it was actually really cool. Oh, very neat. Uh, Indian Love Call. It's from an operetta called Rosemary, which premiered on Broadway in 1924. And then a film version was made in 1936. So really, really old school. Uh, And then thank God I'm a country boy. Uh, It was a huge hit from John Denver in 1974. And then on uh, his big chart topping album in 1975. Uh, And the reason I bring this up is that it's funny that this show clearly targeted two very different, very different demographics in that Indian Love Call is something from 
you know, the kids at the time, their parents or grandparents generation. Right. Realistically. And then thank God I'm a country boy was a contemporary hit. Yeah. It's probably got the right just a few it. years before. Uh, and I tried to look up a song from 2018 to make a comparison about like the cultural significance and, and the distance. If the Muppets did it now. Uh, and I didn't know a single hit song from 2018. <laughs> I looked at the top 40. I did not recognize a single title. Well, we're out of touch already in our 30s. I'm so out of touch. So that's the final factoid is that I am old. When your daughter gets a little older, she'll be reminding you of what the hits are. You'll start to know. Uh, again. Man, it's okay. I won't. I'll still be listening to 80s music. <laughs> Alexa, play 80s party music. Uh, so, Jeremy, what, what did you think of the Jim Neighbors episode? This episode I thought was fun. It was direct. It was, for me, very short because I got a cut version. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and I was like, I was like, I didn't re- remember who Jim Neighbors was. And as soon as his face appeared on the screen, I was like, oh, it's Gomer. Okay, I get it. Um, <laughs> but I did, I did enjoy the Dr. Teeth song. Uh, I was happy to see Scooter because I'm like, oh, I like Scooter. He's not, he hasn't a big presence in the movies that we watched before. So I'm excited to see more of him in the show mm-hmm. going forward. Um, yeah, I, uh, it just overall was pretty fun, pretty harmless. Not a lot of jokes made me laugh out loud or anything. Um, I enjoyed watching him get his legs broken. Didn't know, <laughs> d- didn't know Jim major, uh, majors. I'm losing his name. Suddenly Jim neighbors, neighbors. neighbors that he was an opera singer. So that was really cool. Yeah. That's nuts. Just crazy to hear it come out of his mouth. Yeah, and something you mentioned last time was that some of the guests going forward seem uncomfortable with the Muppets. Like, they don't look at them properly. They look at the puppeteers Mm -hmm. or something. And he's seen that way in the first shot. But then through the episode, he seemed much more comfortable with the Muppets. Like he, Yeah, there are a few times, and I noticed it once in the talk spot, where like he just didn't know where to look. It's just these, it was quick moments. You're right. But he got caught a few times, I think. Yeah, I think the rest of us growing up with the Muppets, like if we met one, we would be like looking right into their eyes because we're so used to it. But this is back in the 70s. and It's maybe not everyone's so familiar with them. And so that's true. That's true. It'd be an awkward experience. Why am I talking to puppets? What am I doing? (laughs) (laughs) What am I doing with my life? I'm Jim Neighbors. (laughs) I also just, this is really random, but just loved how long Dr. Teeth's arms were. Um, oh yeah. And, and you get to watch him like drift away from the piano yeah. and then drift back and see them fully. Yeah. That's real. Like good. I never noticed that before in the movies or anything. So that's really fun to watch. It's like just drifting away from the piano and he's still playing. I thought that was really cute. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, it's a great puppet effect. The fact that the hands, the hands are coming up from under and are covered by his like lacy sleeves. So you don't really even see the puppeteer's hand. It's very creative. I enjoyed that. Just very cool. Yeah. So overall, just like a very pleasant, happy, fun episode. Um, and Jim Neighbors is a delight. I know all the guests going forward won't be like our last episode with Peter Pan actress and this guy where <laughs> they're so cutesy and fun and sweet. Uh, there'll be some more like Vincent Price coming up will be a different kind of experience. Oh, yeah. Uh, for me, this episode's kind of lukewarm. It's right in the middle besides yeah. having money in it, which, as I mentioned, is one of my absolute favorites. Mm. It was all right. I think Jim didn't. Oh, Jim Neighbors did an okay job. He really got to show his range, which was fun between getting to do Gone with the Wind, which is much more operatic and ballady. And then thank God I'm a country boy at the end. Um, but yeah, this is kind of lukewarm for me. The lowest point for me was the the, the two dog song. I just really just wasn't, yeah. wasn't vibing with me. And then that one puppet looks really not dog Rolf. Eat dog. The, not Rolf, but the other dog looked really Baskerville. Poor, yeah, he looked very poorly made. Like it just didn't seem to fit. He's the one quality. of the old. Yeah, he's one of the older dog puppets. 
like they hadn't remade him yet, I guess. So he was definitely, <laughs> definitely looked like That's he true. Was a lot of these, a lot of these puppets get facelifts over the years. I would imagine they have to. Oh yeah. So yeah, it was kind of, I agree. Kind of lukewarm. Kind of like, eh, it's fine. Passable. All right. Well, hopefully the next one's better. Yeah. Hopefully. So, so German, tell us all about the original series episode we watched. Yeah. So we watched the naked time, uh, which is a, a fun episode. So it's actually on a lot of top 10 lists of the original series episodes to watch um, for people. Uh, okay. Because it's like, it's just fun. There's a lot of good character moments for kind of the first time in the series. It's like, as we talked about last episode, uh, from here on out, you kind of, it's the main cast. Like there's no, no big changes except right. for checkoff coming next season. Um, so basically the uh, Federation is charged to go out in the Enterprise to observe and record a dying planet called Psi 2000. Um, and so they want to watch the last moment of the planet's breakup and to uh, retrieve a research team that was on the planet currently. Um, but when they beam down to the planet, they find the entire research station is frozen over and all the people who were working there are all dead, but they're frozen in weird positions doing strange things. Like uh, one person was uh, in the shower uh, with fully clothed. Uh, one person had a, the engineer was leaned over his desk, but he had a phaser in his hand and like, it's just very strange. They don't know what happened. Um, so one of the people who beams down with Spock to check this place out and they're in these really cool, like retro weird, um, uh, radiation suits. He is an idiot and takes off his glove to like, you know, to scratch his nose and then touches things. And this red chemical gets on his hand without him noticing and he rubs his face and smells it like right afterwards like an idiot like what a scientist this guy is um and so he goes back in the ship he looks a lot like um the star of psycho by the way anthony perkins it's really cool. oh i can see it, it kind of I freaked me out that. um but yeah so they go back to the ship saying they don't know what happened and spock's like and they have some decontaminated and everything but it's already too late because this stuff has gotten this guy's system and he keeps scratching his hand and he starts to act um strangely sweating um and eventually he starts to infect other people inadvertently. Um, uh, he infects a Sulu um, and people start getting irrational and basically acting like they're drunk. This is called the drunk episode a lot too. Um, and so before you know it, you have uh, more and more crew members acting strangely. Uh, Sulu eventually decides to leave the bridge and go exercise. So he takes his shirt off and he's got a foil fencing foil that he's chasing crewmen around with. Um, the original guy is just getting angry and confused and they infect nurse chapel, Majel Barrett. And in her drunken state, she professes her love to Spock and, and she touches him and infects him in the process. And so he mm. starts realizing that he loves and he has passions as well, but he doesn't love her back and he apologizes and it makes him sad that he can't love her. And he leaves and starts crying and a totally improvised scene, no less. Uh, they were originally going to have a corny scene with someone drawing a mustache on Spock's face because they're drunk. That guy with the paintbrush. But he actually yeah. he decided he wanted to do a more like profound moment. So he improvised that whole scene because they didn't have enough film to do more. So he had to do one take. So it was all in one take improvised scene. I thought it was amazing for Leonard McCoy to do that. Leonard McCoy. Uh, <laughs> Leonard Nimoy. Um, so yeah, they are trying to figure out what's going on. Eventually, Kirk gets infected. Um, but the doctor is hard at work with Sulu and the other two people in the med bay and finds a, a, a antidote and he eventually, um, gives everyone the antidote and we're basically good after that. Did I miss anything? <laughs> I don't think I did. You, you, I mean, did, did like, did you talk about Riley at all? 
Oh, Riley. God, we like can't. it all like the main per, the yes. main antagonist of the episode. <laughs> it's, he's and, not just like important. Like second half he's of a, the plot. Yes, he's very important to the episode because <laughs> Riley is a, basically a second guy to get infected, and he's um he goes crazy and he's ridiculous. He's talking about how he's an Irishman and he's singing uh, old Irish songs. And he locks himself in engineering and lies to Scotty and tells him he's needed on the bridge. And he starts patching himself through the entire enterprise, singing loud Irish songs and hijacks the entire enterprise, including the bridge. Yeah. And he basically sabotages everything either by accident or on purpose to make the ship completely useless. And so they're circling the planet as they're going to take photographs of it. But now they can't control their trajectory. So they're basically slowly going closer and closer to the planet and they're going to be there when it implodes or run into it. Uh, so there's kind of a, a race. That's also the main part of the episode, a race to basically get him out of engineering. And they had to get, I use like a laser to get him out because he's blocked himself in so well. And he's just c- continually singing throughout. So they finally do, you know, get, get in there and this spur of the moment. And they are able to uh, blast their way away from the planet using a very experimental process of, of some kind of mixing of, of technologies and, in the process of doing that, they discover time travel because when they blast away from the pan- panel, the planet with this strange technology, they are sent back three days in time. And so they're I'm guessing they were trying to use this as a device they could use later on in the show where they could say, oh, well, now that's, they- how it's, that's what it seemed like. It seemed right. like a loaded gun. And they should have because in later episodes, they do go back in time, but they somehow have forgotten this whole thing happened. And they use either the uh, Guardian of Forever or they slingshot around the sun later on in the movie. Um, so they, this is completely forgotten as a form of time travel, probably because it's hmm. dangerous, but, uh, it is interesting that it's very much set up like it's going to be a plot device for later on, but then it's not used. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so that's a lot of fun and yeah, we'll talk about more about Riley later cause I have some fun things for him. Uh, but so for some nice little trivia here on this episode, only a couple things. Uh, so the thermal suits I mentioned earlier that were retro and cool looking, they were actually fashioned from 1960s art deco style shower curtains, which if I you, can see that if you watch this episode, you could totally see that. Uh, it's the first episode in broadcast order to feature the Vulcan nerve pinch, which is pretty cool. Okay. I wasn't, I thought about it and I couldn't remember if we'd seen it yet, but I didn't think we had. And that's why I even have a line from Kirk saying, you got to teach me that sometime, which is great. <laughs> um, and then we have the first appearance in the series of Nurse Chapel, who's played by Gene Roddenberry's then mistress and then future wife. He cheated on his wife with her and then eventually married her until he until he died. Um, so, yeah, she's also the voice of the computer, Majel Barrett. Uh, mm-hmm. She's the voice of the computer forever. And then she also shows up later on in Next Generation and Deep Space Nine, I believe, for a couple episodes. So she's, she's going to be around oh, for a long time in cool. Star Trek. So, yeah, that's some little, little trivia there. So what do you think of this episode? All right. So things I liked. I felt you touched on this earlier. I felt like this was finally the Star Trek that I've been expecting. Yes. With like the characters I know from the common knowledge and what I know from the movies finally kind of coming together and going, yes, this is the thing I would thought. Right. So that's good. What you were expecting. Um, I'd liked then in turn, the other side of that coin is getting to see all these people that I finally felt like I knew who, who they were getting to see them outside of their characters. Yeah. They would otherwise get to portray, you know, Spock being emotional and Sulu being wild and out of control and undisciplined. Um, that was fun also. Well, see, also, the, that's a problem for some people that brought up this episode is it was so early in the episode airings that it's like we haven't established who these people are yet to break away from their regularity to make them strange 
That's like a big criticism of this episode airing so early. Yeah, true. And with the fluctuations in the cast and people coming and going, I could absolutely see that being right. a problem. But for you, you have some knowledge of these characters, so it's a good thing. So I appreciate right. that. Right. Uh, and then uh, I finally, finally, Scotty was like a real character and you really got to see him with Kirk. Yes. So some good moments. And it's fun to see someone have not say leverage over Kirk, but Kirk is clearly smart enough to know that he can't do what Scotty does. Yeah. That's a good thing. That goes unlike all future unlike some other crewmen that he doesn't treat with that kind of reverence. Right. And it kind of establishes a long-term thing of Star Trek where the best captains are the ones who put people around them that are more knowledgeable about things than them in their topic area so they can give good advice. And that's that goes to Next Generation and through Deep Space Nine, all the series. So I like that a lot. Um, so it was really nice to see that. Things that I was less thrilled about. Uh, I know that you really love the Spock scene because you talked about it. <laughs> I was really hot and cold on it. I felt like there were great, and really forceful, good emotional moments. And then all of a sudden, everything felt really forced or fake. <laughs> and it was all kind of back to back. Might be some 60s action. I can't too. say I, I couldn't say I like the scene as a whole because it did take me there, but then it took me right out again. I can see that. Um, the disregard for procedure for the guy itching his nose and forgetting to put his glove back on <laughs> was, was outrageous. <laughs> like, well, it happens I, in that movie. I uh, was just, I just was blown away and went, what does that really, what <laughs> makes this episode go? Have you seen the movie Prometheus, the alien prequel? Oh yes, of course. It's like the whole basis of that film starts because a couple of scientists touch things with their bare hands on a new foreign planet. And it reminded right. me of this episode. I'm like, what the hell? It's the same thing. <laughs> uh, and my last word of criticism is it was really difficult. And I think I've complained about this in other episodes to figure out like what the actual antagonist powers were in this case, it was the infection and what it was actually doing. Right. Because, you know, at one point I think early Spock was like, they're being their most base self. You know, Sulu is a swashbuckler and Riley <laughs> is an Irish King. And I was like, wait, what the fuck? So this, <laughs> this virus makes them delusional 12 year olds. I was really, really, really confused. And it wasn't until, I don't know, three quarters of the way through the episode where McCoy literally spelled out that it's like they're intoxicated. Right. Uh, that I finally got it. And even then I was like, if I, why would, when, when Sulu got super drunk, why would he immediately be like, I should take my shirt off and fence. Like you don't do that when you're drunk. <laughs> yeah. Well, cause I was like, so why does that turn him into a buccaneer? Like it just didn't make sense. To me. I thought we so all I did think, that when we're drunk. I think again, it was just like the antagonist powers or what the actual circumstances were, were really hazy for a while. <laughs> That's fair. Um, yes, but overall <laughs> really liked it. So excited that I feel like we are finally in like real star Trek. Yeah, absolutely. And I got to we watch this with girlfriend doing it. and she, as opposed to the last couple episodes she had to watch, I, there was no danger of her falling asleep for this one. She was seemed to be entertained the whole time. So that was kind of good watching it with her a first time watcher. Joyce was enthralled. Oh, your little daughter was enthralled. Yeah. Well, she, she paid attention to it for at least half a dinner. Hey, that that's pretty good. Yeah. Next time we'll get the other half. Hey, maybe let's hope. <laughs> so German, let's talk similarities yes. between the Muppet show, a special guest star, Jim neighbors and the naked time. <laughs> Well, one of them I have is both have the character singing that surprises everyone. 
Ooh, okay. I like that. Uh, uh, Riley in a bad way in Star Trek because uh, he's not very good. And then Gomer Pyle in a very good way because he's really good. <laughs> uh, both feature people in partial levels of undress. Uh-huh. Jim Neighbors getting his pants ripped off for Gone with the Wind and Sulu losing his shirt and Kirk having his partially torn off. Oh, yeah. The doctor just tears off his shoulder for no reason. <laughs> just for zero reason. He just hates that uniform. Uh, both have a scene with a woman fawning over a man that doesn't seem to return their affection. We have Miss Piggy over Jim Neighbors and then we have uh, Nurse Chapel over Spock. Uh, both feature someone being infected. In Naked Time, it's the crew, and in the Talking Houses sketch, the guy's wife has shingles. (laughs) What a connection. (laughs) I've got two more. I don't know about you. No, you go for it. Okay. I'm tapped Uh, out. Jim talks about his dual personalities with the whole Gemini talk, and this Star Trek episode is all about dual personalities. That's true. That's very true. And both of them make mention or show aliens taking private time. Spock taking time to go cry and aliens using the bathroom at that Yoko's place. <laughs> what a connection. Muppet news flash. You're, you're so, so good many at similarities. This. <laughs> uh, speaking of connections, let's talk some track connections. Oh, please. So this one is great. And I ended up doing a ton of like back end research to figure this all out as I dug deeper. So Jim neighbors got his big start as Gomer pile in the Andy Griffith show. And later is Gomer pile. Uh, in girl Pyle USMC. Uh, he also came back and reprised his role as Gomer Pyle in an episode of the Lucy show. All of these shows were filmed at Desilu studios in LA. Ah, Yes. Founded by Desi Arnaz and Lucille ball. After a series of hits that they made for other networks, including the Andy Griffith show, um, Lucille ball started shopping because she wanted to produce their own content and then give, and then sell them to these networks. And two major projects came across her desk that she loved. One was Star Trek and the other one was Mission Impossible. She pitched Star Trek first to CBS, which turned her down. She then pitched it to NBC, which ordered the pilot. As we all know, the pilot did not do great. Mm -hmm. And it was going to be shut down. Lucille Ball overrode her board of directors and agreed to help finance a second pilot with NBC. This is the one that introduced Shatner and a bunch of other changes in the rest is history. Yeah, like Lucille Ball is like almost single-handedly responsible for Star Trek surviving, existing. Um, so then Stan Freeberg, who's the guy who wrote uh, Money, who I mentioned earlier, uh, who was also a puppeteer and a voice actor, he performed in a puppet-based show uh, in the 1950s called Time for Beanie, <laughs> uh, which was produced by the Paramount Television Network, what was called that at the time. Uh, this network was absorbed by Gulf and Western, a huge conglomerate, which shortly after bought Desi Lu Studios mm. and created Paramount Television. Mm-hmm. Th- then later on, uh, Paramount merged with Viacom and, uh, and then started making the Star Trek movies and then they divided and the rights for Star Trek went to, uh, for the movies went with Paramount and for the television show went with CBS, which was now their television division. Uh, and that's the reason that Star Trek's have been separated movies and shows for so long. And it all started way back when. And to add on to that, uh, eventually, think, uh, Star Trek Enterprise, the TV show of Scott Bakula, uh, was on UPN, which is the something Paramount network. So eventually huh. it found its way back to a subsidiary of Paramount for a while, but it was on UPN. So like barely anybody watched it. 
Um, huh, very cool. And also Leonard Nimoy uh, went on to be a main, uh, a reoccurring character in Mission Impossible series that uh, Desi Lu right. produced. He that was, also Desi Lu did. He was yeah. like a man of disguises in that show. So it's uh, all connected, man. <laughs> so that's just one set of, of, of Muppet Trek connections. So then I found this other one that is just so good. Oh, boy. So there's this album. These albums, there's four of them, I think, called Golden Throats, The Great American Sing-Off. Okay. And this album is all unlikely or lesser known, not lesser known, not known for being performing celebrities singing songs. Uh, And on the same album, on the first time they did it, Leonard Nimoy uh, performs Proud Mary. And If I Had a Hammer. Which I think I, which I know I've heard before. I had that on a CD. Yes, his songs. Uh, William Shatner performs uh, a like a talk version of "Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds." I had that on CD as well. <laughs> and Jim Neighbors is also on that album, singing "You Are the Sunshine of My Life." Nice. All three of them on Golden Throats, the great celebrity sing-off. <laughs> so everybody, go out and buy that CD. <laughs> Nobody listens to CD. So that's some, that's some some heavy duty Trek connections. That is a lot. I don't know how you find all this shit, but it's really impressive, dude. I just kept digging. And really the, the paramount, once I found that one connection between like paramount and CBS and Desilu, the, the connection just built. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's incredible. Well, I think yeah. that brings us to, Oh, what is this? Something's going oh, no. wrong. Oh, Transporter God. malfunction. Transporter malfunction. All right. So what is your first transporter malfunction? Oh, folks, we should probably say it's still early in the show. What this uh, segment's true. all about is basically we take one character from one of the series and transport them over to the other series. So they basically swap places as characters. So uh, what's your yeah. first one? So my first one is having Jim neighbors, but as Gomer Pyle come over in place of Tormelin, the the idiot who took his gloves off and scratched his nose. <laughs> Because his wanton abandonment of safety protocols was so laughable that I would have rather have seen it played as like a straight comedy <laughs> with like, where like Gomer B- pile, like finds a piece of gum on the ground and picks it up, puts it in his mouth. Well, golly, my, comes, my nose sure itches. Oh gosh. <laughs> Lieutenant, what are you chewing on? Well, nothing, sir. <laughs> I found this red goo on the ground. I thought I'd chew on it. Put <laughs> that out. <laughs> so, so yeah jim neighbors comes over and takes that role of the idiot that's fantastic <laughs> i had jim neighbors transport over as riley the irishman Ooh. who sings in the in the um engineering deck the whole time and i think if he did that he'd sing so well they wouldn't be so fast to uh uh want to get him out of there because it sounds so pretty so they'd probably all die because they wouldn't be as spurned on to make it fast that's true so they would just be enjoying themselves jim neighbors would kill the uh, entire uh, staff of the enterprise that's right. It'd be like that scene from Shawshank <laughs> where they all one? stop and listen to the Italian opera singer. We're going to get busy dying as this plane <laughs> blows up. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, uh, well, I said Riley mm-hmm. should come over to the Muppet show and like just sing his song. I'll take you home again, Kathleen, on the stage and then, you know, either get pulled off by a hook or like heckled by Statler and Waldorf to a point where he's got to leave or maybe bombarded with fruit or something. <laughs> or get choreography so and bad. sets, you know, just add on to it. 
<laughs> yeah, it's equally bad singing, but it's like a huge show piece. Yeah, absolutely. The whole the whole cast I, I is get there. on board with that. All right, then I have I a nurse chapel uh, goes over and transports the place of Miss Piggy because I, I thought the scene of her fawning over Spock was just like the scene of Miss Piggy fawning over Jim Neighbors. So she would be really great. Just Oh, like, you're absolutely right. That I've would be great. I've always loved you. I've always loved you. And then Kermit being very jealous in the corner. And Spock going and crying, you are an officer. <laughs> and Jim Neighbors saying, well, I, I think you're fine. You're, you're a great nurse, but uh, I can't handle this. Thank you, Jim. <laughs> when I think of you as a friend, I am ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> so there's some good transporters. That's right. Good transporter malfunctions. <laughs> so that brings us to the end of episode four of the Muppet Trek podcast. Join us next time for episode five of the Muppet show with special guest, Ruth Buzzy and original series episode, the enemy within. So from the lovers, the dreamers and us live long and prosper. Everyone. Thanks for listening to the Muppet Trek podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. This podcast has been brought to you by A Play on Nerds. 